Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a Blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer in Blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent much of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This month, we're checking out New Earths as we hop across the DC-verse on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the... Forgotten Entertainment Family. Hello, and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. With me, as always, is the newly named valedictorian of Godokan University, it's <laughs> Mr. Shane Beauregard. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing, buddy? Oh, congratulations, <laughs> man. It's a big I honor. I appreciate it. It's a great honor. And yeah. I will do the best I can with that honor, buddy. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, in no way is your life in danger. So, uh, congratulations. <laughs> Is it in the genes? Uh, was your dad a legacy too, or uh, yeah, he you know? was actually, yeah, 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 passed down in the genes, buddy. I'm ready to roll. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he has no skeletons <laughs> in his closet. But good to see you, man. Uh, it's been a trying uh, few weeks, but we are still plugging along. Uh, we are all sick, as you can probably hear in some. Yep version of our voices our families have been sick uh the world is sick uh the whole the whole cinematic experience i think is sick i'm probably going to go on a rant very soon so buckle up for that but of course we uh we were just teasing the gen v stuff up front we will talk about that at the close of this one because they had their finale and we kind of want to dive into what we thought of it overall and then of course maybe peeking into what it may mean for the boys coming up and then all that other fun expanded universe jazz. But let's start up front, Shane, with a bunch of things. Uh, we, we just cleared the deck. I, I because I was sick and when the only thing I was up for if I left my house was really going to the movie theater. So if that was my uh, free time, I used it wisely. Uh, watched a bunch of stuff. You watched a bunch of stuff, not to sell yourself short, uh, you know, you just, you know, have more responsibilities this past weekend than I did. So good on you for, for plowing through that. Um, of course, we didn't even talk off mic about your uh, your football uh, schedule, like meaning you as head coach or, or coaching stuff, too. You know, is that yeah. still going well? It, well, we lost in overtime. Uh, I'm sorry so, to Brampa. See, I should have known. See, as soon as I get right. excited about it, it, right? It's all right. We're we're down two players, and I got away from the run, so I took full responsibility. I addressed the parents at the end. I'm like, I'm sorry. This loss is on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, Orange slices for well. everybody. <laughs> yeah, they played well, dude. They had a fun time. It was a great time. Well, that's great, man. So we'll we'll start up from with the movie stuff. And a lot of it here, like half of it is weirdly i say weirdly as a person who's a netflix critic it's weirdly netflix uh yeah. some stuff that is about to come out some stuff that just came out uh so we'll cover a lot of that stuff but i kind of wanted to open just in a larger view shane i asked you to kind of like look at your top films of the year and you mentioned that you probably haven't added a whole lot since the barbenheimer time correct correct and I've said this to my friends who run Oscar podcasts and really care about the Oscars and all that. I looked at the schedule. We always talk about the schedule because we're looking to see what we're going to cover. And every week I go, motherfucker, look at November and December. Are they trying to kill us? Because they just kept pushing stuff back, whether it was because of the strikes or whether it's because they're trying to play the Oscar game and they're trying to get it as close to the end of the year because... You know, some statistic told them that if they're they're out in the first week of December that they have a 10% higher chance at winning Best Picture, being up for Best Picture. It's all dumb, Shane. It's all dumb. I hate it because it, it doesn't do anything for the moviegoers, right? Like, it went from, what, we were we like clawing our eyes out in August and September? And yeah. then October, a bunch of stuff bombed and was shit. So we were like, oh, man, what the hell are we going to do? 
And now here in November and December, I'm staring at the schedule after I just watched one, two, three, four, five, six movies in the past week. And I'm still feeling like I'm behind. Like I missed yeah. a movie that I was upset about. Like, this is nuts, Shane. Like, how are you feeling about where we are in the movie year? And like, Here, are you are you as mad or as daunted as I am? Here's what I'll say. And I piggyback off what you said. I feel like we went through the doldrums of what you just said. And we've had we've had busy schedules watching movies. I feel like it's more quantity we had to watch than quality we had to watch. Sure. As far as like best pictures of the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and a lot of the movies fall into my peer view. Like I, I like you know me. I like the gutter. I like the middle bad movies. So that's fine sure. for me. But I just told you, like, as we were talking before the show, I just added the creator and when evil lurks and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in my top 20 of the year so far. Those are the first three movies I added since Oppenheimer and Barbie. Yeah, it's nuts. Although I think we did talk. Maybe you want to add Reptile or Fair Play. uh, Yeah, yeah. Reptile. Yeah. And Fair Play. But I'm not adding like the Scorsese film. I'm sorry. That's not getting added to my that's not going to even sniff. My top 10 of the year. You hear that, Ninja Turtles? You made it above Scorsese. (laughs) Yeah. That's where we are this year. I I just feel like it's been an, yeah, it's been an uneven year. I feel like we've had a lot to watch, but the quality of what we had to watch has been kind of like lacking. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm hoping by the end of the year, like we were talking um, off mic, Reacher, I'm really looking forward to, um, the Godzilla series on on Apple Plus. I'm I'm really looking forward to that fucking show. Is that the Monarch uh, so the, one or is that yeah yeah, yeah okay. the Monarch yeah. yeah. So there's stuff I'm looking forward to, but we'll see we'll see how the end of the year shakes out. I just feel like the only movie I'm going to add to my list before December is Napoleon, and I'm I'm just guessing I'm going to add that because of the Ridley Scott background and 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 Joaquin Phoenix and just their track record together. I feel like that's the last best movie I'll see of the year. So you say that, right? And then I know I, I well, I, you know, I know you're not the biggest Oscars guys, right? So I'll, I'll couch that for sure. But like there are if you look at Gold Derby, which is a site that keeps track of like prognostications of like what they think is going to get nominated based on like reviews and votes from critics all over the country and users and everything else. And they just compile it all. And it's like, boom, this is what we think. Right. And there's so many movies that they think are going to be up for best picture that aren't out yet. Shane, like mm-hmm. aren't, are at least like not out to us, you know, like the people who didn't see it maybe at a film festival or whatnot. Right. Right. It's crazy. And then there's other movies that are just like, huge that still just have to come out you know that maybe won't be up for best picture but might have a performance that might get nominated it might be an animated feature that might get nominated it might be something that has a lot of uh, special effects that might get nominated it's a lot and like i'd hate to be a voter number one i mean like the the oscars who knows it might get pushed anyway because of the strike where i heard some Mild rumblings that they fixed the AI discussion and that, you know, there might be more optimism now. But I don't know, man. Like, there's just so much. Just just a small sample, right? I'll, and then I'll get to, like, what I watch and then maybe tell you why maybe you're going to add more than you should, right? Okay? Right. So this weekend, and I'll talk about it in a minute, The Killers comes out and The Holdovers comes out wide. Now, I don't know if you saw the, the trailer for The Holdovers. I think this movie looks right up my alley. I love Payne as a director. I mean, he's only missed like a couple of movies in his period for me. And I like what this movie feels like. Like that kind of 70s, you know, movie that we're just, uh, you don't get any more. And I think it's going to hold a lot of sway with a lot of the older voters. And I think it'll be around during Oscar time. And in fact, uh, one podcast I listened to recently said it might be either in the two or three position right now with you know however much however many months still left to go but you know it's like oppenheimer holdovers you know flower moon like a small amount of movies that have a real chance of winning best picture so 
That's just this upcoming week, Shane. All right? Right. Then next week, it's five big releases all at once. Or the following week, excuse me. Hunger Games prequel. Next goal wins. You have Trolls Band together. Thanksgiving, that crazy. Yeah, I know. Um, and Rustin from uh, for Netflix. So again, that might be a, a play for a best actor thing. It looks like it might be harder than they think. So, but we'll see. Following week, Thanksgiving, Napoleon, Dream Scenario, which looks right up my alley. Same thing. It looks almost like a Charlie Kaufman film. And it just it makes me so happy to watch the trailer a little in the movie. That's the Nicolas Cage one. Yeah, and then and then Wish, you know, for animated feature that comes out as well from Disney. Then I think the bike riders got pushed back, so that might have an open spot. But then you have Poor Things, which is another movie that is in the Best Picture race right now, hasn't come out. Uh, the Boy and the Heron, the new Miyazaki movie. Uh, might be up for best animated feature. Then you got Wonka the week after. Then you got now. Granted, I don't give a shit about Aquaman two, but I'm sure you might care about the Iron Claw. Yeah. Oh, I'm all in on Iron Claw. So that's that's a Christmas release. Same thing with American Fiction, which a lot of people think might be in the top ten best picture race. Then there's Ferrari, The Color Purple, and a bunch of other stuff that has like very much right at the end of the year dates. And there are other movies that might be in the Best Picture race that I haven't even mentioned, like um, The Zone of Interest, which is a foreign film that I don't know when the wide date is. So, yeah, that's a lot, Shane. It that's is. a can lot. I, can I interject real quick? Absolutely, please. Here, yeah, we you mentioned two of the movies I'm looking forward to. So I'm looking forward to The Bike Riders, Iron Claw, but I'm also looking forward to Salt Burn with uh, yeah. Barry, yeah, Barry can. Kino, uh, yeah, yep, and the holdovers with Paul Giamatti, yeah, that's on my list. So I'm okay. looking forward to Saltburn, the holdovers, Iron Claw, and Bike Riders. Outside of Napoleon, that's my top five for the rest of the year. As far as like, I don't know if you call them artsy films, but not well, and your you're, bo- yeah, and you're a liar because I know you're looking forward to the killer this Friday. I am, yeah. I didn't mention that because it comes out Friday, so I'm going to watch that regardless. I am right. so looking forward to that. But as far as like theatrical releases, those are the four movies I'm looking forward to the most before the end of the year. Yeah. And obviously, I'll go see Aquaman, too. I'm not jazzed about it, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> but I think the holdovers, I think the holdovers can be sneaky good. So I'm, I'm really, and I love Paul Giamatti, dude. Like, so like, I'm I really looking forward to that movie. So we'll see. Are you an Alexander Payne guy at all? Do you yeah. know? But okay, yeah. Because I love to like. I like his older films a little better than what he's been up to lately. But that's you know just a mild recency bias. But I still love you know a lot of his work. So yeah, I'm I'm super pumped for that one. A lot of them. A lot of the ones you mentioned are probably the ones that are closer to the top of my list too. Um, and then there's just ones that, like I said, like Zone of Interest, which I don't know exactly when that comes out. I don't want to disappoint you on Saltburn, but that's getting very mixed reviews. That might get a little funky. But um, this week, this past week, I caught up with Past Lives, which came out months ago at this point. Uh, that is uh, a film starring. I don't know if you're. Uh, are you a fan of Russian Doll? Yes, absolutely. First season. Yeah. Yeah. So the one who played, I believe her name is, I know her name is Nora in this movie, but I thought her name might be Nora in the show too. The one who played the best friend who, yeah. uh, the one every time that she would restart season one, uh, you know, she would be right there for the birth birthday doll, baby, whatever it was birth. Yeah. You know, whatever she's, she had that catchphrase. I'm trying to yeah. remember it now. I don't remember, but that's Greta Lee. And she is the lead of this one. And honestly, dude, it's, it's, uh, a film written and directed by Celine Song. This was a movie that I was like, oh, okay, it's one of those, like, the critics are going to love it. It's kind of like, you know, a romantic drama. I'm like, am I am I going to f- be into this? I don't even know. So I put it off for a while. And then I fired this one up, man. I even, you know, I paid for the rental. I'm a real, real homer here, right? What are you doing? What am I doing? <laughs> that paying for, for stuff yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey it was 5.99 and the way i could watch it otherwise didn't have subtitles and this is uh half in korean so <laughs> so i did the right thing and paid for it so 
this movie, it's about Nora and Sung, two deeply connected childhood friends who are arrested apart after Nora's family emigrates from South Korea. 20 years later, they are reunited for one fateful week as they confront notions of love and destiny. Like I said, you know, it's it's a long, you know, from childhood to adulthood kind of like romantic drama. Shane, this movie's really good. This is, okay. movie's amazing. Uh, it's a high recommendation for me. I gave it four and a half. So and, and four. So that puts it in rarefied air for the year. Um, so it literally puts in the the Mount Rushmore, the top four. So it's it's one of those like it's in that conversation for you know best of the year. I, I it's it didn't do as much for me as say Oppenheimer, and right. it didn't give me that jolt that maybe like a John Wick four or or Spider Verse did. But this movie, it's it's a different vibe, obviously. But this one, it's the performances are really good. The story is so relatable, and honestly, like it made me fall in love with Greta Lee. Um, to where I was just like, she is amazing. She could do anything, and I want to see her in anything from now on. It's like it was that kind of uh, performance and that kind of a movie. So that's a high recommendation for me. So again, okay. after what weeks on this show where it's like at best we're like three and a half is like amazing you know like the best we could do for forever boom right out the gate four and a half okay yep so then i watched i'll be gentle well actually no i'll do i uh anatomy of a fall i watched this one uh in theaters this is still out in theaters uh just came out i mean i don't know if it's wide or whether it's uh platforming at all but i saw this in in Connecticut, so it might be in Hollywood South where you are too. But this is uh, a film by Justin Triet, uh, Justine Triet, excuse me. About it's basically like a, it's like a very much a, a a procedural, like a kind of a trial procedural, where it's about like so this woman is suspected of her husband's murder, and their blind son faces a moral dilemma as the sole witness, and witness is strong because nobody saw. This guy, whether he was pushed or fell out of the the top portion of his home onto the ground and died. Okay. So, and then the blind son, of course, is the only person, like the first person to find him coming back from a walk. And you don't know whether did the wife push him? Did he commit suicide? And they basically do a whole trial where they go through their whole relationship. The son has to hear all of this. He's a witness, so he's always there. So they're like ripping apart the the relationship, his life, her life, all this stuff. And you still have to have like this life at the end of this trial. So no matter whether you're guilty or not, your life is kind of never going to be the same. And it's it's two and a half hours. It's a little too long uh, for this, I thought. But at the end of the day, this is an, a really solid film and a four star for me. To where, again, uh, a very high spot. I have it at number seven. Whoa, uh, okay. So it's, again, another really high one. And then coming in at number nine of ten is my man David Fincher. Oh, son of a bitch. I'm so mad you got to see this early. Go ahead. Yeah. I was about to say, I didn't know whether you are going to be mad that it's only at nine. And you're like, because <sighs> you know I'm a huge Fincher fan. I know you are, too. And this was one that like I've been circling for God knows how long, especially as a Netflix reviewer. And I won't go into it a lot because I am, you know, it does come out Friday on Netflix and I have my review still yet to be fully written. But this movie is not what you would think from the trailer in a good way. And like, it's a return to form for Fincher in a lot of ways too. Nice. So for anyone who doesn't know what the killer is, this is the latest film from David Fincher, uh, teaming back up with his screenwriter from Seven, uh, a lot of the early years writing partner uh, for him. And this is going to be, like I said, the latest Netflix original. This is out limited in theaters right now. The Killer is about uh, an assassin who, after a fateful near miss, battles his employers and himself on an international manhunt he insists isn't personal. Now, this movie starts out a little slow because it has a lot of narration. And, it, like, basically, Michael Fassbender, who is the lead in this, is the assassin. 
And you, you get to see him. I can watch him all day, Shane. This was one of those movies where it shows a lot of process at, for an assassin. And his process is like half hilarious and half like this guy's an animal, you know, where he's just trying to be like perfectly calm, perfectly in order. Per- everything has to be perfect. And then when one thing goes wrong, his world just slowly tilts and then just goes where he he has to go from. Okay, yeah, I screwed up. Oh, God, now people are going to try to kill me. Okay, I can't get too crazy about it, though. I have to just stay on the mission. And then just very methodically has to go through his whole, all the tracks, clean up all the mess and everything else, and ends up, you know, like globetrotting to basically try to keep himself safe and anybody he cares about safe. And this is, like I said, I, I can't stress how darkly funny this movie is which is not Fincher's bag, which is why I was saying it's kind of not what you expect. But at the same time, the the way it's shot, the way the tone is, the way Fassbender acts, it's absolutely a Fincher film. So this movie was also a four-star one for me. So it's definitely still high up there. Like I said, not going to go into crazy detail, but there are some scenes in here where you're going to be like, Fincher's back, baby! No, 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 you know, I might have liked Mank on some level, but this is what I wanted, you know? Yeah. So you get you get that kind of energy. And God, the quirks in this movie, I can't wait. Also, just the smallest detail, and you see how he kind of dresses on the poster and whatnot. That I'm the one thing I'm mad about is that this movie didn't come out before Halloween. So I couldn't dress like the killer for Halloween. Uh. Get me get me a bucket hat some shades, the Hawaiian shirt, the whole thing. Perfect. So next year, watch out guys. Cause I'm probably you got it for next gonna, year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be the assassin from the killer. <laughs> so look out for that. So that right there, Shane, that's three movies in my top 10 that weren't there a week ago. Wow. That's, that's insane. a lot. That is. And then the, and then the fourth movie I saw that you also haven't seen came out this weekend. Priscilla, which is the, uh, Priscilla Presley biopic that is from Sofia Coppola, who I've had kind of a mixed history with. Even people who think like Lost in Translation is her best movie, I wasn't that into it. So I'm I'm maybe not the person you want to speak or hear speak about this movie, but I will say for a person who went in kind of thinking I'm probably going to be disappointed in some way, very solid movie. And in fact, I believe you and I are one of the last people on earth who like will actually say nice things about the Boz Lerman Elvis movie. Yeah. This is actually, I was thinking like, is this going to be too much Elvis too soon? You know, is it going to be like something where it's overkill? I actually think it makes a good double feature because it shows both sides. It shows a more balanced approach. And this movie is way more like, I don't know if you saw the Virgin Suicides. I did. Uh, so it feels more like that kind of a movie or a likened to that kind of movie as far as Coppola is concerned because, you know, essentially the life of Priscilla Presley is one of, like, grooming from a very young teenage age. Then she gets caught up in the lifestyle of Elvis but is also treated like a doll or a toy to be kind of just put in a golden perch and then just take out when you need and then just never let her be like a real person for a long time. It's it's obviously sad to watch, but it's, you know, a very well done movie, very well crafted movie. It doesn't belabor any of these points. The only thing is it's a very soft ending, which didn't leave me going, you know, leaving the theater going, yeah, they nailed it. Like, so that's my only thing. So this one is more of like a three and a half to me and maybe is like more of a top 20 movie. Definitely in my top 25 for the year. But again, Shane, that's a lot for what we've been getting lately. So that's another recommend when we've been kind of doing these at best soft recommends for a while. Right. Hats off to you, buddy. So of those, so I'm sure, did you hear of or were interested in past lives or anatomy of a fall before I said those words? Um, Past lives, no. Anatomy of a fall, yes. Okay. So but now, the killer is the one I'm looking forward to the most. 
for sure. I imagine. Is Priscilla like? Is that putting and, on the and, radar for you now? I, I'm like with you. I'll watch it, but like you, I'm not the biggest Sofia Coppola fan. Right. So like, I'm the wrong person to like talk about it because I don't like. Oh, she has this movie out now. I got to go see it. Like, she's not one of my favorite directors. Same. So like. Uh, but no, I'm intrigued. Once it comes out where I can stream it, I'll watch it. But I'm not going to go to the theater to watch it if that you know that makes any sense. But right. Anatomy of a Fall, Anatomy of a Fall, I'm so looking forward to. Like I want to see it. It's but like everything you recommended, just direct. Yeah, just I, to no, scare I'm, you I'm off. Su- Listen, first of all, subtitles don't scare me off. Like I may come off like a caveman, but I can <laughs> handle sub. I, I can handle subtitles in a movie. There you go. So no, everything you were, everything you talked about, like I'm in, like I'll, I I want to watch it. Yeah, and I recommend. And as far as like what the prognosticators are saying, Past Lives has a very good shot of being there, uh, in the top ten best picture category. And Avenue of a Fall is like right there on the edge, um, so that might reach. And then Priscilla, while it's good, it might have like a one or two nomination kind of a night, maybe. Right. Um. And then the killer, unfortunately, the the Oscars does Fincher dirty when he does his movies like this. Like, I don't think the only ones that were like really well nominated were like Social Network, which should have won Best Picture and didn't. That's one of the biggest travesties of all time. He uh, he got nominations for Benjamin Button and he got nominations for Mank. And if you held up his career, you'd probably say those are three, what, mid to lower tier movies yeah. of his. So yeah. it, they they never value things like, say, Fight Club, Zodiac, Seven, the things that like I probably hold most And dear. they should. And they should. Yeah. Bastards. Yeah. yeah. Instead, they gave uh, the King's Speech best picture over the social network. So, yeah, that was a bad, that was a breaking point bad look for the Oscars back then. But there is some stuff that we did watch. I'm curious. Uh, I guess I'll start with Nyad because that was my uh, latest review for Netflix that came out over the weekend. This is uh, you know about Diana Nyad, the marathon swimmer played by Annette Bening. Uh, it's basically like at the end of her life. She's in her 60s at this point. She had previously tried that swim around 28 years old and then has uh, convinced herself to get back in the game with her best friend basically becoming her coach in Jodie Foster. And this movie, I, I, I gave a fairly good grade, so I'm curious to see how you felt about it. It is a sneaky sports movie being you know, a swimming movie uh, with some good performances. I'm curious to know what you thought. Oh, well, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to try to be nice to this movie. Okay. Yeah, it was the most average movie I can think of. Like, it was okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, the performances were great. Annette Benning knocked it out of the park. Jodie Foster was great. But right. as far as like taking it in as a sports movie and an inspirational movie at that, I'm like, eh, okay. It, it, it just was all right to me. Like, sure. I don't know what it was. I, I would have liked, I don't know what I would have liked to see more out of this movie. I just thought it was okay. I, I liked the real footage we saw at the end of the movie. Sure. I thought they did a good job at casting because I thought Annette Benning kind of resembled the actual Diana Nyad. Yeah. Um, and the captain of the boat, who I loved from the replacements, I thought looked like the real captain of the boat. Um, yeah, Reese Evans, I thought was yeah, probably... he was great. He's sneaky one of the best parts of the movie. And if this wasn't a true story, I would have been like bullshit at the end. Because they really twist the emotional knife with his stuff. And I was like, if this wasn't real, I'd be like, you're out of your mind. That, that right. would be like hokey, you know? Yeah, exactly. I thought the last act of the movie was the best part of the movie, but everything leading up to it was like, eh, okay. Like, again, I, I'm a big sports nut. I'm a big sports movie fan. And this, this, it's a watchable movie. I liked it. I'm not coming down on this movie, but I liked the last act of the movie more than I liked the first two thirds of the movie. I right. thought Jodie Foster was great, and it's funny because I don't see her very often anymore in movies. True. Yeah. So I gave it a I gave it a three out. Of, to me, I'm going to use the Andrew cheat code. I gave it a two point seven five. If I had a lean and okay. if I was pre- if I was pressed, I would give it a three okay. out of five. You know, it's watchable. 
it, the, just because of the performances, right? Right. Like, they they were they were great, but um, as far as a sports movie, I was like, yeah, I was a little underwhelmed, and I can't exactly tell you why. It's just I've seen. I don't know. I've just seen better inspirational sports movies than Nyad. Well, it's tough because it's like part one person story and the person is also prickly and a little bit you know, unlikable and yes. selfish, all of it. And they know it. That So it, this movie hinges so much on her team and the people around her. And that's where I thought was the strength of the movie. So I think it pitched itself correctly. This is also from uh, Jimmy Chin. And Elizabeth Chai Vasarheli. I'm, I'm going to screw that up, Vasarheli. Um, these are the people who, uh, documentary uh, filmmakers, who this is their first fictional feature film. So for, again, a directorial debut of sorts as well in this realm, I thought they did quite a good job. And because they, they, they delve in extreme sports a lot, I thought the on-the-water stuff worked very well. It did. And but I would say it harkened me back to our debate or conversation with uh, the latest Scorsese film. Mm. I would have much preferred a well done documentary than a movie about. And they have this. one, so if you want a and recommendation, I seen I can it, toss right? it out. Yeah, like this came out. Like you know, it's funny because she finished this film in 2013, and I don't recall this making the news. I don't know where I was in my life when this happened. Sure, I don't remember it at all. But to me, I would much prefer going back and watching the documentary of this film than the actual film. Right. Yeah. Like, like I said, I wasn't like over the moon or anything. I gave it a three and a half. Okay. Um, so, you know, and even that, yeah, it's not too far off. And even then, like if you told me uh, like three months from now, I'm like, well, maybe it was a three. It wouldn't be the worst thing or anything. So I think we're probably closer than you think. But yeah, yeah. I actually like Jodie Foster the best. I think I she too. has the best odds of getting in for best supporting actress. And I think that's about right. Um, while I think Benning was good, I think that's a really hard role to sell to people. And to her credit, she nailed it. Like, And she's yeah. good at making a meal out of uh, nasty, bitter people. Like I instantly think of like American Beauty where she's like, you know, the worst person in the world <laughs> to, to watch and watch her do her thing, but you're, like, engrossed by it. This, uh, much lesser level, of course, but, like, at the same time, but I was just, like, she's so good at it. That, yeah. like, she's almost too good at it because she's so believable that I'm, like, do I want to watch this woman for two hours? <laughs> um, but at least she's in the water a lot. And like I said, they really kind of tort the story in favor of her team in this larger story and make her more likable and and as the movie goes on. So you're right. It does get better as it goes along. Very rough start because that's when you really get her full force attitude up front where you're just like, seriously, the movie's about her? This is going to be tough. Um, yeah. So they, but they made it work, I thought. Just I, let, I, I just would have let her get stung by a little jellyfish and eaten by sharks at that point if I was on her team. Like, screw you, lady. Like, yeah, seriously. Here, right? Where's that man of war they were talking about yeah, so right. much? Let's get this going on. Yeah. Just keep her ass in Cuba. Um, but let's get to something I know you like. And honestly, it is right in the Shane Vortex. So let's get right to it. The Sylvester Stallone Netflix documentary, Sly... Uh, we both watched this over the weekend. I'll give you the four because this is this is your guy. These are uh, you know he's the guy of our generation of the type of movies you watch. So this obviously was a layup, but I'm curious exactly what you were looking for and what oh, you liked man. about it. Listen, first of all, it's funny that he comes out the documentary like a month after Arnold has his little series on Netflix. You know, you what knew I mean? it. You just knew yeah. it, right? Yeah. But again, like you said, this is in my wheelhouse. It's a great watch if you're a fan of Sylvester Stallone. Like he goes through his early Rocky inside story about developing that with Rambo and then Expendables. And I really would have liked to see a little bit in between those kind of franchise movies. But it, it, it actually, I don't know if I was in the wrong emotional spot, but this documentary hit me where I almost teared up when I was sure. watching this because one. And I told people this, I told my clients, once either Arnold or Sly passes away, I'm going to be a wreck for like a month because oh, sure, it's like you say, we grew up, I grew up with these guys. Like they don't make action stars like these and they're, they're, that type of action star no longer exists. 
Yeah. So we're never going to see that era of action stars again. Yeah. And what he was able to accomplish, it's just some of my best memories in my life have been watching the Rocky movies, more so than Rambo. I relate more to the Rocky series than I do the Rambo series. Sure. Yeah. So, like, I can pinpoint where I was when I was a kid when I watched Rocky Four. I know where I was when I watched Rocky One, and just everything Sly did. It's just, uh, and just getting to the relationship with his father, which I didn't know about in this documentary, yeah. like how much his father kind of like basically shit all over him when he was a kid. You know yeah, what I mean? And, like, and, yeah, abusive, uh, mentally and yeah. physically, and competitive, which was the worst. It seemed, yeah. uh, you know, it, all, all the way till death. Yeah, yeah, he didn't make up with his dad till he was on his deathbed. You know what yeah. I mean? And even that makeup, that line, I was just like, Jesus, this guy can't it, get yeah. enough out, right? It, oh. it, and his brother, and it, you know, Sly's brother kind of made him go see his dad on his deathbed. You know, I, yeah. I firmly believe he was up to Sylvester. He wouldn't even gone. Probably. But, like, it was a it was a well-done documentary. If you're a fan of Sylvester Sloan, like, I was all kinds of broken up because I was thinking, like, he's such... Dude, he... I'm 46, man. Like, he's been in my life for, like, 40 years, like, 30-something years that I can remember yeah. watching rock, watching Sylvester Sloan stuff, man. Sure. Same thing, with, same thing with Arnold. So, like, I'm biased when it comes to this stuff. I thought it was just well done, and it did. It, it made me choke up when he was talking about his roles, and they had the dolls or whatever, the the whatever they the art they had of the, the, the Rambo figure, the yeah, Sylvester Sloan figures, figure. Yeah, yeah. It, and how he was talking about how it relates to his life and, and it's a lot to do with his dad. It just was, it was moving to me. And again, I'm going to be a fucking mess when one of these guys passes away is all I'm going to say. Yeah. And they had the nerve uh, after making me, you know, get invested and emotional at times and whatever. They end the movie with them packing up his house and then playing one of my favorite songs of all time, Tom Waits, Come On Up to the House, and just, that song wrecks me independent of the movie, and then right. they're like, let me watch Sylvester pack up the, his house and then, you know, kind of lament at the end of his life kind of this thing and then play yeah. that exact song, and I was like, God damn, twist that knife. It's almost like he was giving his own soliloquy as he passes away, as this documentary was going on. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's really uh, his obituary. His like, yeah. living obituary, in a sense, because he's delivering it. My only thing, and, and this is just a... You can call it a minor criticism. This is a movie that highlights more than it hurts him. Yeah, I'm sure oh, if you absolutely. ask a lot of different perspectives of other people... Of what they thought outside of, obviously, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who makes an appearance uh, a bunch of times. And they go into, like, they have, like, Wesley Morris, the New York Times film critic in here, who does a good job of, you know, setting the time and place of a lot of his successes and failures at the box office and choices he made cinematically and all that stuff. So I liked a lot of that. But you could definitely be like, this is literally just only his account. And right. you're really just sleepwalking through his life, which I really want to know. I'm heavily invested in. I thought they did a good job of at least what he provided of what you're going to show. And then I liked them using the the cassette tapes of like old interviews of him to be like, use it as part narration and also use it as like, this kid doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Or this kid just need, like he couldn't use the word that Rocky's a love story. And he kept yelling at his old self. I love that part. <laughs> <laughs> um, that he just can't say the word love, that he can't say the word love story. And he's like, yeah, probably back then I couldn't. And so it shows growth. And he's, you know, so it, it's interesting how he's like literally almost not interviewing himself, but he's kind of, you know, his own worst critic. So they just let him tell his story and, and it was good. And I was really invested. So it's well done. And any Sly fan should watch this. But if you're trying to like, take the full scope this is not entirely that but you will get a lot out of it and a lot of information yeah correct and like you said comparing it and you have to compare it to the arnold series that came out at least with that arnold series we knew and he discussed like what he did wrong in his life and discussed his downfalls and maybe the bad pr that he got with this whole maria shiver you know banging the maid kind of thing and his yeah. dysfunctional family so Arnold gives you a better balance of his life 
with the good and the bad where I thought, like you said, the sly one was slanted more towards the positive of what he took out. But again, if yeah. you're a fan of that, they you just eat it up like candy, and I did. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I'm sure we'll get another one of these once he passes away. I'm sure like A and E will have a uh, or CNN will have a fucking documentary about his life once he passes away. You know what I mean? Absolutely. A Everybody true, a true will perspective. be perspective, right? Oh yeah, everyone will be trying to do that. Uh, just God, no, please have no one play him in a biopic because nobody could do no, that without no. parody. It's going to be awful. So please don't. Um, yes but they'll try trust me they'll try um but yeah i I gave this probably like a three and a half because i liked it quite a bit i know that you're gonna be like what are you fucking insane but (laughs) i I saw your score mr letterbox so i i gave it i I gave it four and a half i know you did (laughs) now again if you're going in like already ready to eat it all up in a big meal and they're gonna provide it for you so yeah i i only dinged it for what it didn't provide and how it kind of goes but i thought it's very well crafted and yeah maybe if i cheat i would maybe give it a little 3.75 like a little little kick over the (laughs) over the edge there but yeah it's gonna be exactly what you hope for if you're a sly guy so right let's wrap up shane let's do let's do tv here um gen v finally had their finale we've been you know, quietly singing the praises of this show, doing mild check-ins after its impressive, what was it, a three-episode premiere uh, to yep. start. So it had eight episodes in total. We're finally here. Um, and I will say, a lot, I've heard some mild criticisms of like, oh, well, this is just the boys all over again. And did we need this? And some of those things. I never really felt that way. And in fact, I had more thoughts of like, do I like this better than certain seasons of the boys? And I like the fresh perspective. We talked about it before where it's like, you get the university stuff, you get these new characters with new powers and you know, the intrigue behind the scenes stuff, the secret lab, the, the Vought stuff, all of it. I thought worked really well. And I was intrigued the whole time. The only time I ever had uh, like a, a switch stance, which took a while to get used to was the Kate, double cross the switch the the almost like the hangover episode where they wake up and they know nothing and then we have to kind of reset the season essentially halfway in between i thought that was an interesting choice that uh, it took me a while to not only appreciate but understand why they did it and then here we are at the end and a lot of it is really well done and we're now seeing the boys stuff tie in which i mixed on um, so I'm curious how you felt about the finale and obviously the show overall. I love the finale. I loved it. It was bonkers. It was boy-esque, the boys-esque with how crazy it went off the rails. Yes. Yeah. With them. Yeah. With what they did with the woods and Kate and Sam. The only issue I had was I thought, and I understand Sam's re- I understand both Kate and Sam's reasoning for what they did. But it seemed like they had a connection with Maria or, yeah, yeah, Maria and Andre that they just tuned them out too much where they weren't, they couldn't be reasoned with. And I thought that was a little bit out of the box because, again, they had a tight knit group for the whole season. Sure. And all of a sudden they went off the reservation and they couldn't be reasoned with. And right. I thought that was a little too extreme, I thought. Um, But overall, I loved the final episode, and when it ended, before we saw the four of them where they ended up, I was like, there's no way. I thought they, (laughs) when Homelander came in, yeah, I loved that part, by the way, and um, I just didn't know what direction they were going to take it, and once he did what he did, I was like, oh no, they're going to do this to the characters, and come to find out, they didn't, and now I'm like, oh my god, I want more episodes now. Like, sure. I thought to you to what you said. I, I'm comparing it to other seasons of The Boys. It's still not quite at that level, but gosh, damn, this is a good series. Like, I could eat this up every day of the week, man. Like, it was so good, and I love what happened to Kate because she was such a bitch in this episode. Yeah, and we it's... discussed it in the Messenger. Yeah, like what happened to her. I was like, yes. But when Homelander came in, I was like, oh, my God, like 
it, it was great. It was absolutely bonkers. It was great. But I just saw Kate and Sam's ability to not be reasoned with was a little far-fetched compared to like what they went through as a journey for the season. Yeah, I think the tough part for me was the the Sam and Cricket stuff worked really well. And it was some of the best stuff early on. And then as the, the, the season went along, they obviously got their thing set apart. And, and Sam, I thought, was the hardest to see like this. Because you can never really get a good shake on him. But at least like it seemed like she had some bond or hold on him that it really worked well enough to rein him in. And then I think they just kind of tossed that to the side. And I know part of it's Kate's fault, but a lot of it is, you know, even when she backed off, it didn't seem like Kate had more of the secret sauce to to keep Sam in line. I think it just ended this, I don't know. He just had this different vibe about him. Like a lot of things changed. And even especially after that, uh, that uh, sit down interview uh, with the, was she a Senator? Yeah. Uh, senator. Yeah. The congresswoman there like it's that was a little odd like how they manipulated Sam there and it kind of never got back to anything the same ever since it became this melee and yeah the end of the season actually feels more boys ish which is maybe some people's complaint where it's like well if this is where they're gonna go and it, obviously it's gonna lead into the next season of the boys and then it's gonna possibly be this intertwined universe maybe going forward i don't know i hoped for a little bit longer of a time where we could just be with these people um but you know i'm sure we can end up in a really nice spot and to see our people like homelander and butcher come right back and now let's see where they take the story i'm very curious if it's literally going to be seamless into the next season like that or whether that's going to be kind of teased to see where Gen V goes in season two. So I think it's going to be teased to where Gen V is going to go. I don't think we're going to see as much intertwining as you might be led to believe at the end okay. of the season. Cause you get that final scene and this isn't spoiler, but like, you know, we see butcher, we see Homelander. I think we'll see some of it, but I still think they're going to kind of keep it more or less separate. I think right. the next season of the boys are going to be totally separate from what happens with Gen V. I think if anything, we'll see a little intertwining when the next season of Gen V comes out, but okay. I don't think it's going to be as much as they lead us to believe, but I, I wholeheartedly, and that's you, you actually spoke about it better about Sam's turn than I did, but I, that's my biggest gripe with the last episode or two is what Sam's relationship with uh, Emma or cricket, whatever you want to say, yeah. kind of dissolved into you know, after like they built that up over several episodes and they really knew each other and it was like on a drop of a dime, it's like, boom, gone. You know, like totally. that's the biggest issue I had with the whole thing, you know, because he sure. seems very vulnerable as a character and what he went through. He's very emotional. It seemed like Emma really connected with that and they had a thing going on and it just seemed like. Over really nothing, it just kind of like, and yeah, Kate had something to do with it. But even before Kate, it's like he was on this mission of like, yeah, this is, this is going to happen. You know, especially what they did to the, um, not the head doctor, but the head of uh, yes. that university, yeah, the dean. right? Yeah, or yeah, whatever he was clean. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, well, she, whatever. She deserved that. Blah. So cold. You know what I mean? Sure. But you, yeah. you get where he's coming from, but it's like. That was like the disconnect between him and Emma, and I just felt like that just happened too fast. That's my only complaint about the whole last episode. But like, yeah. man, it, it's it's. I just want more of it now. <laughs> like, I, I want to wait. Like, I want the boys season four now. I want Gen V season two now. <laughs> like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I, I, have you seen a release date or uh, anything about knowing when the boys is coming out? I have not. Not yeah. at all. I wonder, again, probably all the strike stuff and, and everything else didn't help. I liked uh, the Soldier Boy cameo, and we didn't get yeah. to talk about it because, you know, we, we like you said, we kind of glossed over it. And now we're wrapping it up. But I love Dean Eccles uh, from Supernatural. I thought he's a perfect Soldier Boy, so I liked his little cameo in that episode about Kate. So um, let's go. Let's go. I, I, let's go. I'm ready. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so I'm sure we'll have a lot more to say as we probably put this pitched as a potential top five show when we get uh, to that end of the year stuff. So we'll see. I don't know where it falls because I have to go back and kind of think about where the other shows were. I'd have to go back to our mid-season report and kind of see what kind of fell through. But this is probably the best that we probably had towards Second the back half. end. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'd have to think about that a little bit more, but I'd probably say that that's probably true. So strong grade uh, for me on this one. Had a lot of fun with this show. Um, and then next week, of course, we'll get to, you know, Loki wrapping up. So we could do a kind of full look at that. Plus uh, the Marvels, uh, you know, getting that out in the theaters. We'll, we'll see if we could do a full Marvel check-in health report. We'll see about that one next Ugh. week. Um, but at least on the Amazon front, best thing I've watched on there because I barely watched anything on prime. So this is great for them. And then piggybacks with the reacher season two trailer that came out today, uh, which looked like a whole lot of fun and right back to business of what we loved about that show. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Dude. I loved reacher. I love Alan Richardson playing that part. Absolutely. Um, great. And my favorite line is like, I don't hit soft was my favorite yeah. line of the whole trailer. Yeah. I, I love his physicality as Jack Reacher. And it just looks like uh, the same thing as season one, man. Like, just off the rails. I think this actually looks more action forward than the first season did. Because if you... And I love the first season. But it was it was more or less a Jack Reacher series. It's like him trying to figure out what's going on. This one looks more action uh, forward. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it looks like almost a mix or a play on the uh, Terminalist kind of stuff, too. Because yeah. that his whole team and going back for revenge and seeing how all the inner workings and the corruption or whatever that happens along that line too. So I'm interested with that. Uh, looking forward to that. That's coming out at the end of December, right? December 15th, buddy. Yeah. So mid December, even better, uh, even closer. I will take it. We got a little over a month away, um, but great job, man. We covered a lot. We did a almost lot. an hour here. <laughs> uh, so a lot for you guys to chew on. Um, hope you're here to hear more complaining about me and the Oscar schedule and how many things I have to watch on top of, and that Shane has to watch and, you know, but next week we'll take a nice big, probably huge heaping dump on Marvel and give that a temperature <laughs> check on that one. We'll see. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, great job by you, everybody out there, do the right thing. Like subscribe, tell a friend, do the whole thing. Give us a nice five-star review. Follow us on the socials at Recent Act Pod and join us for more next week. Like I said, big steaming dump next week uh, for more <laughs> recent activity. <laughs>